Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. But I read your lips and you asked me how am I feeling? <laughs> uh, and I'm feeling like, uh, what's, what's that thing about YouTube? You can't swear for the first two minutes, right? So we're going to avoid swearing for the first two minutes. But these last two games have been rough, man. They've been rough because you've seen the good and you've seen the bad. And you got to ask yourself as a Raptor fan, are the coaches seeing it? Are the coaches seeing this too? And I'm on this group chat and I'm talking the whole first half about what's going on with Fred. Like he's turning the ball over. He's dominating the ball. He's not seeing people and people are like six assists, eight assists, 12 assists. And so I think it starts there, right? The way that he dominates the ball is it's for a player who's, 17, 18 times more talented. Like when LeBron plays like that, that's fine, you know? But if you have him playing like that, driving to traffic, turning the ball over like that, it's it's just not going to work. It's not going to result in wins. So I would much rather that he go, he move off the ball and that they try Scotty Barnes uh, getting, on, getting on the point. Now, on the last show, I told you, I, I think I mentioned that Nick Nurse is my favorite coach. Mm-hmm what the hell is going on here? I mean, some of these play calls, some of these decisions, some of these rotations are honestly head scratchers. They really are. And who the hell am I to second guess, you know, the former coach of the year. But I'm seeing it game after game that there's some serious uh, issues with uh, pecking order. You know, guys just heaving shots. I mean, the Raptors got on that run and it looked like they were about to cut it to 10 and Fred VanVleet just launches for three from 30. And that's that's the type of shot you cap a run with, not the type of shot you start a run with. You've barely even gotten two possessions together, and you just go for that home run. And I think more importantly, I think there's so many defensive breakdowns right. happening, right? Do you so, give him a little bit of credit, though? Because 15 points, 17 assists, that's pretty impressive. However, you slice that. I understand what you're saying. You're saying if you're not LeBron, Luka Doncic, who are ball dominant players that are extremely talented, you shouldn't be playing that way. I agree to some degree, but when you're in this and need pretty much like the Raptors are of a guy, and we both know Scotty will be that guy eventually, but right now he's not that guy, and I don't think uh, Coach Nurse sees him that way. So by default, you have to put Van Vliet in that role, per se, in that lead role. And I thought he was pretty good tonight, honestly. And he made a lot of clutch plays down the stretch. If he hits that shot, bro, 
I don't know what would have happened. That was the slickest, sickest crossover I've seen in such a long time. For him to get off that shot and for, for the Bulls not to foul was stupid, but for him to get up that shot, my God. Like, if he makes that, that was probably the second greatest Raptor shot in history after that Kawhi Leonard shot. You're kidding. <laughs> You're Bro, kidding. Did you see are that you, crossover? Are you? Okay. The, the point is... You he, saw that crossover, right? He drove to the corner... <laughs> <laughs> right, he he drove to the corner. He completely sucked to he sucked Vucevic on him, and they guarded him. And he he didn't shed him, right? I mean, he he went laterally, and he 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 had to shoot a three. You understand? Like when Kawhi hit that shot from the exact same corner, he didn't play with the ball because there's nowhere to go. You need a three, right? So all this dancing on on the baseline, it, it doesn't make sense, right? You got to go quicker. You got to shoot, and he ultimately what you're talking is this guy took. No, you have to contested- get that shot. You know, you you have to take a three. Like if it was a two point game, he would have driven by him and blown by him like he did in the previous possession. Like, he needed I a mean, three, which like, is super hard to like of, get. Is the pain of being a Raptor fan is that for years upon years, and Nurse did this last year with Siakam where he just draws up a play where Siakam just sort of dribbles the ball, dribbles, dribbles, and then launches a, a completely contested, no movement three. And I get, you know, from a coaching perspective, why you take those shots because passes are dangerous, right? Especially when defenses clamp up and the, and the passing lanes close. Sometimes passing the ball is a little bit dangerous, but I don't think there's a guy on this team, not OG, not Scotty, not, I mean, I would trust Scotty to be honest more not with a three, but to create an isolation look for himself. There's not a guy on this. There's no Kawhi Leonard here. Oh, right? for sure. Yeah. So you, you can't draw up a superstar play for a non-superstar, right? You, you draw a role, you draw up a role player play for a role player. And Fred but Lee's you don't have player. any timeouts because Nick nurse decided to challenge that play, which we all knew wasn't off of, uh, off of, he should have challenged, he should have challenged the play before. I don't know if you can challenge, um, a non-call like that, but Zachary definitely walked. Right. Right. So you would have gotten the ball back and instead you challenge a play where you you lose a timeout. (laughs) Right. And how much did that timeout would have come in handy? Okay. Right. So you have eight seconds left and this is where I'm kind of lost on what you're saying is because you kind of have to hope and, you know, just, just to get off a shot with eight seconds left. Full length of the court, that's pretty difficult. Van Vliet accomplished that. He got off a good look for the conditions he was under. I think you got to give him credit for that, bro. Like, it, that is tough because I thought they were for sure going to foul. Like, good teams always foul. They didn't foul. They, they're like, oh, well, go ahead. Like, we don't trust you, Van Vliet, to, to make that shot. But for the most part, that is the best you, know, you will get. I'll, I'll, I'll challenge the viewers. If you're watching this, I want you to go back and if you have some sort of PVR or something, go watch the game and really slow it down. And I want you to watch what happens to the basketball when Fred VanVleet initiates the offense. I'll, I'll tell you what happens on a predictable play. 24 seconds on the shot clock. The ball usually is walked up the court. For whatever reason, he decides, hey, we're a weak half-court team. Let's play in the half-court. Makes, misses, this team has to run. Okay, okay. so I when, when when Scotty Barnes has the ball, we run. Precious Chua has the ball, we run. But for some reason, when OG Ananobi and uh, Fred Van Vliet initiate, it, it's always a walk-up, right? That's the first problem. Second problem is there's this dribble handoff action that happens, which initiates almost nothing, right, mm-hmm. for this offense. It, I've seen it done so many times, and it just, 
it's like those drills that you used to do in high school where the coach said you have to pass four times before you can shoot. Mm -hmm. So they're like, okay, let's just pass. Mm -hmm. But nothing's happening. And there's always this one guy uh, sticking around the rim, clogging up the paint, right? So the driving lanes are closing down. It's kind of what you're seeing with Jalen Suggs in, in, in Orlando. Their spacing mm -hmm. is horrible, and he's struggling for that. Every player struggles when spacing is bad. you got to create mm -hmm. spacing somehow. But a good way to create spacing is by attacking, right? Mm -hmm. So attacking defenses. So when you have a guy with the ball who, frankly, is too short, and yeah. too not creative to create that type of gravity, right? Then you have defenses that aren't shifting the way that they would shift if John Morant was in that position, or even John Wall in his prime was in that mm -hmm. position because those guys put a lot of pressure on the defense. And so with a guy like this, he just goes left, right, left, right, left, right. And chances are he gets the ball back, and with about four seconds to go, he'll pass the ball to Gary Trent for a three, which is usually contested, mm -hmm. or he'll pass the right. ball or he'll penetrate into the paint and he'll he'll throw a pass, which is usually off target to a big, right? And what you're not seeing, unless you slow the game down and really watch it, is most of those passes are a little bit off. They're a little bit rushed. They're they're almost always off the off the pocket. And by the time the guy who catches it, if he catches it, because he had eight turnovers tonight, if he catches these passes, he's taken like an extra second to gather it. And by the time he wastes that second to gather a bad pass, because these guys are long, they're catching everything. The, the defense is set up and it's a contested two at the rim. So at some point, you got to really break this game down and say, this guy is playing his heart out, but he's not talented enough to do what he thinks he can do. And this isn't That's a 21 year old kid where you're like, okay, well, he needs the reps. And, you know, one day he'll develop into that. I'm sorry. Uh, he's five foot 11. He's he's not going to get much better than this. I'm sorry. He might get better as a shooter. But the things that stopped him, limited wingspan. He's worked on that, man. He's a good defender. Yeah, but he is. there's a there's an upper limit. He's never going to be able to guard a power forward or a big small forward. So. But is, know, that his fault or is it, but is, is that his fault or is it the fact that the team isn't talented enough, the team doesn't have enough shooting around him? Um, again, I don't think he's a number one option. To me, he's a number three option. That's why I think they should make that Ben Simmons trade, which I'm sure we'll get into later. But you're kind of naming all the things that he, he has no control over. Like he doesn't have Siakam out there yet. I think when he comes back, I'm very optimistic from what I saw tonight that the Raptors will get it together and win some games. I think they're playing better. That first game was awful to watch, but the last two games or the last three games, uh, they haven't been that bad. I think it just comes down to, like, if you trust your point guard, and obviously the Raptors have put a great deal, great amount of faith in Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet. Nurse isn't a micromanager on on offense. He, he pretty much lets you do what you want to do, provided you're that guy with the green light. OG has a green light. Mm -hmm. So if OG decides to go five on one or four on one every play he touches the ball, as long as he's defending, Nurse isn't going to say much about that. But I think at some point you have to ask yourself, should you say something about it? Because, you know, if the Brooklyn Nets decided tomorrow that they're going to have Patty Mills be Kyrie Irving in that offense, their offense is going to sink because sure. he's not Kyrie Irving, right? So if the Raptors have decided that Fred Van Vliet is going to have the same latitude, same luxury, same freedom as Kyle Lowry, well, that's a problem because he's not Kyle Lowry. Lowry had an innate, uh, we call it like a, a talent 
for a sixth sense for when to go on his and when to defer, right. when to set other guys up, how to get other guys going, right? So everything, we talked about it last time when we did, we did a post game. I think we did it after Boston, right, when they won. So it's a rhythm thing, right? right? So guys go like six, seven possessions without touching the ball. Now you suddenly throw it to them for a ill, con- you know, a contested three at the end of the clock. One of my biggest complaints with Jalen Suggs before the draft, and one of the big reasons I liked Scotty Barnes was he creates good shots mm-hmm. for his teammates. It's good shots. It's a lot of ways to get 20 assists. Russell Westbrook gets 20 assists all the time, mm-hmm. right? They're not always good shots. Selfish assists, right? though. They're selfish assists. And a right. lot of what Fred Van Vliet had today were selfish assists, selfish assists to me. Right. He had a lot of good, too. I'm not going to lie. He did. I mean, in the third quarter, he played amazing. Like, he was – and there was a stretch in the fourth quarter where he he was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on the guy. And, you know, Fred Van uh, – sorry, Gary Trent Jr., I spent a lot of time shitting on this guy's defense. Mm-hmm. He's tried hard, still gambles, still makes mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I spent a lot of time, you know, talking about his inefficient offense. And he was pretty decent tonight. So I'm willing to admit when a guy that I don't necessarily love plays well. But I don't think that 15 points and 17 assists or whatever his stat line was mm-hmm. tells the story of what he did for this team. You know, the moments were big. Don't get me wrong. The right. moments were big. But it's like sometimes there's a guy who plays like shit for. 20 minutes and then the game's over and he hits a couple threes and then you look at the end of the game and you're like oh he had 10 points he hit a couple threes and you're right. like wait oh right that's when he hit him so you can't always look at the box score numbers you can't always say yeah. rebounds assists whatever mm-hmm. uh points you know like there's a way to play that helps your team and there's a way to play that hurts your team so you know that's kind of what i'm seeing there um precious achua that's been a bit of a problem honestly mm-hmm. I, I did a raptor grade I gave him a B minus after the last game. So I think he's working his tail off. But his shot selection and his ability to finish inside has been really questionable. Now, I would argue that he probably, if he was playing with a better point guard, like if you put him in, you know, if you put him in place, uh, if you put him on center for the Phoenix Suns, he's getting 20 a night. Just rolling to the rim. He rolls so hard. But he doesn't have anyone setting him up. And what I would like to see is Precious Scotty pick and rolls and invert, inverse it. You know, one of them's always got a center on them. The guy who's got the center can just roll to the basket. It would be unstoppable. So it's a little bit troubling that that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, what are you seeing from Scotty Barnes? Real quick, you touched on a lot of good points, right? I guess for me, it's what's the plan this year for the Raptors, in your opinion? And then. What do you think the front office views this season? Because if we answer those two questions individually, uh, we'll get what we're getting now, which is Fred Van Vliet as your number one guy. He's the feature of the offense. If the if the front office's goal is to develop Scotty uh, Scotty Barnes and start this kind of you know retool rebuild, are are they trying to win this year or? Are they okay with getting another high draft pick next year? Because I think these things matter when it comes to, I set this team up for Van Vliet to be the guy this year. And both you and I agree that he's not a number one option. Like, God, no. But there also there's nobody else right now to be the number one option. OG isn't that guy. We've seen it already. Can he be that guy? Does he have the talent? Uh, it's questionable. I think he's a number two guy at best. But 
that's those are the questions that I need to or, or that I need answered before we continue to making these assessments. That makes that, sense. That run that they went on started with a OG Ananobi post up going right. to the rim. Okay. Uh, when he's had the opportunity, he's done well. Like the last two games, he's had 23 points, I believe, in both games. How many right. points did he have tonight? He right? had so, 20, 22. Okay, so he's averaging 22.5 points per game over the last two games, right? So is so he your best player this year? Start. Pardon? So is he the best player this year? He's 100% the best player okay. on this team right now. And honestly, man, like it's not even close. Like, Do you think the front office Barnes, thinks that, though? What? Do you think the front office thinks that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Because Fred Van Vliet, before, before, before the season started, he said, OG is our number one guy. Now, I have not seen him defer to him the way that he defers to Pascal. And this might be a personality thing. You know, we all know that there's a friendship between him and Pascal, mm-hmm. right? And I'm not trying to, you know, say that there's some sort of beef for, you know, right. that he's kind of looking out for Pascal by making sure that OG kind of looks bad because OG's made himself look bad in the first two games and made, him, made himself look bad enough. But the truth is, if there's no pecking order for this guy, his natural instincts to chuck the ball take over. You know, he had this very interesting quote in preseason where he where he was asked about being short. And he said, man, you know what? I'm kind of crazy. So I don't even notice that other guys are taller than me. The only time I ever notice it when I'm looking when I look at Pascal after I've been in summer, you know, I've been in Rockford for the summer. And then I come back and I notice like, holy crap, he's tall. It's like, dude, every player in the NBA who's undersized noticed that they were undersized and they developed a freaking floater mm-hmm. i don't see fred van vliet ever go for a floater he goes right to the right to the middle of the basket and he tries to heave up the shot he's not long enough he's not quick enough he's not tall enough i'm sorry these are limitations you got to work for with sure. that you know i look at a prospect and i say do you know who you are that's mm-hmm. my number one thing with any prospect is do you understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and how can you help the team now, this whole bet on yourself thing that he started, man, mm-hmm. kudos to him. He's an inspiration. You go from <laughs> undrafted yeah. all the way to signing, you know, this massive contract, $84 million. That's a that's a great story. And I understand that there's a lot of guys out there. I mean, look, man, I, you're a hooper. I'm a hooper. This is the only guy on the team who's my height. OK, mm-hmm. so I should be rooting for him. I should. I should be rooting for this guy to succeed. You are, it, but I, you you are. But you know what his limitations are. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I not like <laughs> You're <them>. not? <laughs> not. I don't like them. I'm sorry, man. Like, I mean, if you tell me right now, if you could trade this guy for Buddy Heald, 
right now, I would take that deal and run. Like, can we make this deal happen right now? I would now? too. That's actually a great, that's, that would be a great deal for both teams. <laughs> oh my God, you, you crazy. But yeah, like, I mean, I would do that in a heartbeat. You can let him and Davion, you know, run that two, two, two short guy lineup in the backcourt yeah, like we've be been doing. <laughs> and we can have someone who can actually, you know, Shoot. create a shot. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's just it's it's frustrating to me. And I understand that, you know, he has some pull with the front office. He's obviously seen as a leader of this team. He's the last guy introduced in the starting lineup, uh, which is, you know, previously Kyle's thing. And I've heard this narrative and I, I sometimes pay attention to what the Raptors announcers say because, you know, that they're kind of like they're company men, right? They're so super they're, they're homers. <laughs> so this whole thing about him being the next Kyle Lowry, this is this is bull that has been peddled to the to the fans. And you know, it's kind of funny how quickly the narrative gets abandoned when it's convenient. I remember for years that we, you know, us basketball fans who actually understand basketball complained that DeMar DeRozan was not a superstar, mm-hmm. but he was treated like a superstar. And we were always told, oh, man, he's a multiple-time all-star. He's a superstar. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing him in a system that actually caters to his strengths in Chicago, probably a little bit in San Antonio, mm-hmm. and he was great. But when he was asked to play above his talent, he wasn't so great. He was notoriously known as a playoff choker, and he was shooting you know, four for 18. So, But we kept getting the myth. He's a superstar. He's a superstar. Same thing with Chris Bosh, right? He's a superstar. He's, you know, he's one of the best two big men in the league some people say he's going to be the next Kevin Garnett. It's like, have you seen Kevin Garnett play, bro? Like, he's not the next Kevin Garnett. We're always upsold, right? So now I'm seeing it again with Fred Van Vliet. But you know, it's funny. When DeMar got traded, that narrative went away real fast. Because it was like, oh, now you're seeing what it's like to have a real superstar. superstar. It's like, oh, wait. <laughs> you mean the guy that you told me was a superstar for five years wasn't yeah. a superstar? Oh, my bad. Right. right? So I think as a basketball fan, you got to trust your instincts. And if your instincts tell you, Look, man, if your instincts tell you that this guy looks like Kyle Lowry to you, if your instincts tell you that this is the best way to use him, if your instincts tell you that even though he's been a little bit sloppy with the ball sometimes, that OG Ananobi is not a better scoring option than Fred Van Vliet, or that Scotty Barnes is not a better playmaker or play initiator than Fred Van Vliet, by all means, man, to power to you. But I disagree completely. I think Fred Van Vliet is ideally a six man. I really do. I think he's kind of like a like a chubby Lou Williams, like that type of guy. <laughs> Just no sauce, a no a no sauce Bro, Lou Williams. You that know, move was saucy. Bench. No, no, I have to correct you. That that move to win the, or to tie the game was saucy as hell. He just missed it. That was saucy. Shouldn't have, ta- shouldn't have taken it. It, it was it was it was who like should have taken in that, in that corner. I'm sorry, man. Gary Trant's a better shooter than him, and he was wide open. I don't know if he was wide open, but that's the problem, yeah. right? There was no movement. He just took the ball from the top. I, I went, think they thought that. Corner. I think they thought they were going to get fouled. Like I really do. We can agree to disagree on that. I don't think I'm going to convince <laughs> you tonight. But you know, honestly, I think OG has shown he's in- incredibly clutch. I would have liked to see Fred draw up a play for him to get him open. He didn't even look at him. He decided eight seconds the minute that ball came in. He knew he was taking the shot. That's my problem with that. Because the coverage changes. As the coverage changes, you have to adjust, right? right? Now, Scotty Barnes made a couple of mistakes tonight, right, where he threw the ball over. And you could just see. I, I think you know. I think the, the injury that he sort of sustained last game was bothering him a little bit because he didn't have necessarily the same extension or explosiveness tonight. 
But you can see that he's making those mistakes as a 20-year-old, and I'm watching them. You know, I'm seeing the mistakes. He had a clear drive to the basket, but he thought before he even initiated the move, I'm going to pass this ball. And that's how you get into trouble. Right. When you're not reading the defense, you get into trouble. So if you decide, you make up your mind beforehand, or mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot this ball. Well, you're not Michael Jordan, dude. Mm-hmm. You're not Mike. You might wear number 23 and you might be from Chicago, but you're not Michael Jordan. Right. So if you make that decision beforehand, the other the other teammates are useless. He, he called for a pick. I, I watched it. You know, he called for a pick from Barnes. He didn't wait for the pick, so he didn't get open. There's no clearance. So you're you're looking to exploit a matchup against Vucevic, which is great if you have space at the top. If you had space at the top, Vucevic, you know, and, and, and that's the other problem. Vucevic, if Vucevic knows, right, think about it. How much space is there between the baseline, like the, the sideline uh-huh. and the three-point line? Not much. He knows he knows the shot you have to take. So he the only way that Vucevic is not a good matchup on you in that corner is if you can drive. And with down three with two seconds to go, you can't drive. So that's an ideal situation for a guy like Vucevic who's not a good defender. He just has to stay upright. He's seven feet tall. That's a bad shot. I don't care what you say. If that shot is taken from the top, it's a great shot. Because you can shake him, you can shed him, and then you can pass. But a seven-footer with I agree. three feet of space? I agree nine out of ten times. But under the circumstances, that was on Coach Nurse. That's who I'm going to blame this one-on-three cre- start. He created those circumstances. Yeah, like I'm going to – like the title of this show is Who Are We Blaming for This One-Three Start? I think it's on Nurse, first of all, because he started Dragic on the first game. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. You said it. I said it. He kind of corrected himself now, even though I don't love Trent. But MK47, the comments, made a great point. OG has to demand the ball. At times, both you and I can agree, Robert. He is passive. He's not an alpha guy that's talking. He's very talented. But Nurse has to put him in a better situation to be the featured guy. That's why I was asking you these questions. Who's the best player? Who should be the feature? What's the plan this season? And if the plan is to win games, well, let's all agree that OG needs to be that guy. Yes or no? A hundred percent. And I think Siakam needs to be that guy when he comes back so that OG can move over to number two option and be a spacer. So Siakam is your guy then, right? right? So I think the problem here is that OG needs another OG to be OG. You know what I mean? So he's he's a spacer. He creates a lot of space for guys. You can't leave him. He's wide open. He has a good knack for pulling a defender out of the way when a guy is like clearing out. And honestly, it's hard to get I'm another seeing, OG though. It's super hard. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there are shooters on this team. There are guys who aren't shooting particularly well right now, but there are shooters on this court. The problem is those guys are often bringing their man right into the way of the offensive player. And it's creating this sort of very easy way for the, uh, for the defense to, you know, to play it. And, I'm sorry. OG is a good player. He's a developing player. He's 24 years old. I didn't say he was Kobe Bryant. Right. He's not going to go three on one and be successful every time. But I think he's played damn well the last two games. I mean, his shot's finally going a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been good off the bounce. He's not turning the ball over a ton. I think, I think he turned it over a couple times in the beginning today. But he was trying to he was trying to create for his. I understand. You know, I understand what it looks like. But look at what it is. Right. It doesn't always look pretty. He stumbles a little bit. He's a little bit clumsy with his feet, but it yeah, works. It the ball goes in. What the hell do I care? 
You know, Derrick Rose was really awkward in his prime. He won MVP, right? Nobody cares how you run if you if it goes in, right? So, and, and, and the same way, you know, there are a lot of guys out there like Carmelo that just look smooth. And shout out to Carmelo for, you know, carrying the Lakers last night. But there are a lot of guys out there who go four for 16, but they look great, right? They just look yeah. like hoopers. That's my issue. I think a lot of guys look at OG and they say, uh, yeah, this guy's a role player. He can't play. And I'm telling you, if you actually create space for this guy to operate in the post, he's freaking unstoppable. Yes. He, he, you cannot, you right. can't guard him single, right? And that's the whole point of a first option, right? What was the, what was the great draw of Kawhi, right? Is Kawhi a great passer? No, Kawhi's no. not a great passer, no. right? No. No, but Kawhi's decent enough as a passer and he's strong enough as a post player in the mid range to always draw a double. Now you ask me, are the Raptors trying to win this year? Yeah. I say, why the hell not? Your rookie who you just drafted, who's 20 years old, probably if he wasn't ready, you could make a case that there's a compromise to make where, okay, we're going to play this guy some minutes. He's going to make mistakes. We're going to lose some games because of that. But we're going to live with that. Kind of like what the Minnesota Timberwolves did last year with Anthony Edwards. You know, they played him a lot of minutes, got him some reps. He looks great, right? The difference here is that Scotty Barnes is not costing you wins right now. He's actually generating wins. He's been your best player pretty much every single night. I'm not kidding. Even the first night when he had six, uh, when sure. he had six turnovers, right? He had I six turnovers tonight. Yeah. And I mean, definitely he was the best player against Boston. And I, I would argue he was one of the best players again today. So what more can you ask for a 20-year-old? So why wouldn't you try to win? You're playing, okay, yeah, the record's not pretty. It's three and one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, one and three. I'll tell you what, you go back and t- you go back and you really scout it. Raptors teams under Nurse have always started out slow. They started out slow last year in Tampa. I think like their offensive rating was like 101. They ended the season at 111. Comment down below what the real offense rating was, but it was a big jump. And it's, it's happened three years in a row. Even the Kawhi season um, and then the bubble season, all three years with Nurse, the offense has always started out slow for the first three or four games. And then by the end of the season, it's 10 points higher. So I think there's a lot that, you know, the Raptors defense is complicated. Like, it's complicated and it's effective, you know. And it takes a lot of guys a really long time. So most of the training camp is usually, at least from what I know with McNurs, is usually spent ironing out the defense. And offense right. is usually put in a little bit later. So right now, I think it's hard to say because you're missing your best player in Pascal Siakam, who would probably be your number one option. And you're also probably you know, integrating a ton of new guys. You're playing young guys. You're also missing Utah Watanabe. I think that helps. Uh, you know, having him out there would have helped. But I think just a lot of guys haven't played well. But definitely, I think the Raptors should try to be competitive this year. Before I get to MK's uh, question, which is something that I texted too, which was that awful play call after the timeout when they were down four, I will say Fred Van Vliet will look a lot better when Pascal comes back. Because if you think about last year, there wasn't many pick and rolls with Lowry and Siakam, right? It was kind of like a weird pass the torch on to the number one guy. It was it was it was strange to me. But we saw a lot of PNR with Fred and with Pascal. So the chemistry is there. And as you said, there's a thing off the court. They like each other, they're good friends. And it's only gonna benefit the Raptors on the court, in my opinion, which is why I'm optimistic that when he does come back, this team will be much better. And 
they only lost by three to a team that supposedly has all this all the social media buzz against the Bulls. They have a lot of good good players, but I'm not sold on the Bulls. But yet again, I have to give them credit. They're still undefeated, even though they face shit shit teams. But uh, I think Fred will look a lot better when Pascal comes back. I think there's a double-edged sword there because on one hand, you could say, yes, he will definitely look better, right, uh, when Pascal Siakam comes back. On the other hand, you could say that it could be a lot worse because now the number one option, his best friend is the point guard. So they could just play two men and just freeze everyone else out, right? I'm not saying they're going to do that. I've just seen them do that too many times. Uh, so, yeah, I think I, I do tend to agree with you that by Siakam coming back, uh, a lot of the spacing issues will probably go get a little bit better. Uh, he's also a good penetrator. He mm-hmm. looks like he's in really good spirits. Like I've been watching him on the, off, uh, on, the, on the sidelines and he's just been cheering his teammates on and just reading his social media stuff. I think he's ready for a really big bounce back. So. I'm optimistic. I'm cautiously optimistic that okay. he will take a step forward, hopefully as a player. Uh, but yeah, I think you know if if I'm if I'm Nick Nurse or if I'm Masai Ujiri, I gotta have a real conversation with Fred VanVleet uh, about just how ball dominant he is in this offense. I mean, there are ways. Like I love Lonzo Ball. Like I've told you, I like Lonzo Ball more than I like Lamelo Ball. And tonight, you see why, right? Because the offense goes so well with him. He doesn't pr- he doesn't press, right? Mm-hmm. He's off the ball. He's a spacer. Fred Van Vliet could be a, a midget version of Lonzo Ball. Like, he could be a small version of that, right? Like, he could be... But to be fair, def- Fred doesn't have Vooch. Fred doesn't have DeRozan. Fred doesn't have Levine. That's how Lonzo Ball if works. Lon- like, if, if Lonzo, Lonzo was your number on one team, guy... Lonzo would not play this way. Because Lonzo is a smart player. That's the difference, right? Lonzo has incredible basketball IQ. For Lonzo sure, for also sure. also has incredible vision. So really the difference between Zoe and Fred Van Vliet, apart from the six inches and, the and, you know, he's six foot nine wingspan, that's not the point because Fred Van Vliet's a really good defender. The difference is Lonzo's not ball dominant. He will give up the ball to DeRozan and allow DeRozan to create the ball, uh, create the offense. He'll give up the ball to Vucevic, in the, you know, to start just to get his big man a touch. He'll... He'll let somebody else create, be the center of the offense. You know what I mean? With Fred, it's like he's the center of the offense and he's dishing it. He's the one who's penetrating. Whose fault is that, though? Person that's, it. That, that, that's on coach. I think that's on coach. You're a coach and you're <laughs> trusting your players to make that read, right? I mean, if you haven't implemented your offense and this guy's been in your system for five years, you have no reason not to trust him, right? Yeah, it's a great I just point. think that they've really un... I think that they have not properly assessed what they have in him. You know, for years we've heard he's like obvious step up. I wouldn't mind seeing Malachi Flynn. To be honest, if you want my absolute I love outlandish Malachi. take, <laughs> I know you do. And and you know what? He can't be worse than us. Because Malachi is, is, is trigger happy for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, he but, is. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he takes shots. I mean, when he's, when he's comfortable and when he's kind of not in his own head. He takes better shots. He creates more space. He's a better penetrator. And I would argue he's probably a better passer. So I, I realized that the upside with Fred, and of course, if you're listening to this, you're probably going to dislike this video yeah. hard because you'd be like, how can you diss a guy who just had 15 points, 17 assists? Keep telling me about the numbers, bro. It's the same way I can diss Andre Drummond after he has 25 and 25. It's the it's same great, reason that's I a can great diss analogy. Russell Westbrook after he has you know, 30 points, 15 analogy. assists, and 15 rebounds. 
because numbers at the end of the day do not win basketball games. That's, that's, right. that's what I got to say about that. Numbers so do not win basketball can games. you explain the play after the timeout when Fred turned it over? Who was it for? Who was it on? I'll be honest. I text you right away. Uh, I have to go back and rewatch that play, but that play was disgusting. I'm going to put that on a hundred percent on nurse. You're down by four. You have momentum. No way in hell do you draw up a play where you throw the ball pretty much in the backcourt almost. Like you have, it, it was a mess to me, bro. Like what the hell happened there? I agree. Um, you know, Nick Nurse has been branded as a very smart, very sharp basketball mind, and I don't deny it. He's a very intelligent coach, but he's also very stubborn. He can be stubborn. Like he wants to do it his way, and he has an idea, and he's not always the quickest to adjust. I would say he's extremely experimental, but in-game adjustments sometimes don't come as fast as I would like them to. But, you know, it's it's hard to criticize him, right? It is hard. He's he's with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think he's trying to do the best with what he has. Maybe maybe there's an argument to be made that this roster just isn't that talented. I mean, it's true. Really? Really? I mean, let's, really. let's be real. Let's be right? honest. Yes. I mean, Vucevic would probably be our number one option. On he wouldn't be your number one right? DeRozan option. would be our number one option on offense. Yes. Levine would be our number one op- option on offense yes. right now. Yes. So they have th- they're guarding three guys who would be your number one options, and your number one option would be their would probably be on the bench for them. Yes. Right. You tell me Fred VanVleet's going to start over Lonzo Ball. Come on. So that's kind of my point, right? It's like there's a talent differential right here, but I still think that because Nurse is a good coach and because he's such a good defensive coach that the way that the Raptors can guard and their defensive philosophy and their defensive principles can actually carry them through uh, to be a respectable team this year. Do I still think that they're going to be seventh? I don't know. Possibly. No. Right? To me, they're tenth. To me, they're tenth. Scotty Barnes is ahead of schedule. Right? For, for most sure. People for, would agree for sure. That, like, I mean, you know, Sam Vinci, like, he came on today and he was talking about how he was so wrong about Scotty because, you know, before the draft, he said that. Yes, he oh, was talking so much shit. I was like, bro, are you, what are you watching? Right. And he was, and again, you know what, it, you know what it comes down to? 10 points, four rebounds, four assists. Watch that's the film. Comes, <laughs> that's the point, right? If you get lazy and you decide that a guy had a bad season because he averaged 10 points, four rebounds, four assists, without the context of the system that he was playing in, the pace of play, um, what his role was, what he was asked to do, he had a good season. By my estimation, he had a really good season for Florida State last year, but everyone just talks about the numbers and the fact that he came off the bench, and that's how you miss a prospect. Same thing is how you miss a prospect on the other side. When you start talking about, well, this guy averaged 28 points per game in, you know, in college or this guy was a national champion. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but can he ball? Like, can, does, does what he do, does what he did on that level translate to this Translates level? So I think I would NBA, argue yes. that Scotty Barnes is ahead of schedule. And I could see by season's end that there will be some Raptor fans who will argue that he should already be the number one option because this guy is a sponge. 
Like yeah. he's picking up things so fast and he doesn't make the same mistake twice. Like I haven't seen him make the same mistake twice once. There was this beautiful play. I don't remember who the defender was where he drove and you could tell in his mind he was about to dunk. And that guy got in the way. I think it might have been Caruso or it might have been Vucevic. I don't remember. It was Caruso. And yeah, yeah. You remember this, right? Yeah. And it looked like the guy was about to draw a charge and he just stopped on a dime yep. and threw up that floater yep. from like 12 feet. And you're just like, I remember watching Tracy McGrady for three years try to learn how to do that. Three years. That's one of the greatest scorers in NBA history. Right. And we just talked about it back in 97, 98 when McGrady was 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 a pup. And we were like, man, when this guy learns how to stop and stop going through people, he's going to be unstoppable. Right. So we know about the defense with Scotty Barnes. We know about the rebounding. We know about the passing. The whole question mark going into the draft was the scoring, because if he had shown that he was this type of player. Move over Cade, move over a lot of people, move over Suggs, move over, you know, a lot of people, because I think he'd be a very different prospect because he's shown and so I'm looking at the growth curve and I'm saying, okay, this guy might be ready. Like this guy might be ready to like win now. So whatever, you know, would I, that's what I saw, super- Robert. Like that's exactly why I had him number two on my big board. And a lot of people were like, why the hell do you got Scotty? I'm like, dude, just look at the intangibles. Look at the fact that he's an amazing teammate, just a sponge. Great. All the intel I had, it was a the kid loves basketball. And when someone told me that their life is basketball, you have to take that into account because when they're not in class, which a lot of the time these kids are in class anyway, but now you're going to be 100% in uh, at the NBA level. He loves the game and he has a length like his game translates to the NBA level to this modern 2021 game. Like, how can you not see that? I'm glad that the front office, which is one of the best front offices in basketball for the Toronto Raptors, they saw it and they were like, I don't care. I'm taking them no matter what. And I think if they would have gone eighth and not moved up, they would have done all they could to move down and grab the kid, in my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, you know, they, they were supposed to pick seventh. And that's or right around where Scotty yeah, yeah, Barnes yeah, yeah. was supposed to go, right? And when No, to me, up, he was always top five, like, like no matter what. But yeah, go ahead. Well, a lot of mock drafts had Scotty at sixth. Some had him at five. Six, yes. Six was like the max, yeah. My whole thing at the draft was, I mean, it's ironic because my happiest moment of the summer was Fred Van Vliet on the television. (laughs) But Fred was at the draft, right? He was their rep. And he's there. And when they moved up from seven, I yelled, Scotty. As my only thing. Because I was like, I don't care if we go one, two, three, four. I want this guy. And I started thinking about it. I was like, man, if we go one, we're probably going Mobley. <laughs> no, you're, we get no two. you're going Cade at one. Yeah, I think they would have gone Cade, yeah. Mobley, Barnes. I When I did the big board for the Raptors, and I, I did this video for To The Point, and I had I had the Raptors board as Cade one, Mobley two, uh, Scotty three. Really? Uh, J- yeah. You like Mobley more so, than Scotty? Uh, they actually tried to trade up with Cleveland uh, for the number That's three pick because they were really, you know what? Uh, <laughs> it's splitting hairs at this point. I, uh, I like Scotty Barnes more. I I, I love Scotty Barnes. At, if more. you look at the two, if you look at the two of them in college, for even all of my fandom for Scotty Barnes, Mobley actually projected to be a much better player in college. If like you had, if you look at the box score, sure. But if you look at the intangibles, no, 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 no. You look at the advanced stats. Like he was off the charts for a guy who's, like, 
what Mobley can be, like I will argue what Mobley and Scotty can be. Like okay. I'll put them both in the same same category. Sure. Uh, it's a uh, Chad Ford tweeted this the other day. He said what these two can be is basically top 10 players in the NBA. And he singled those two out because he's basically saying that the other guys in this draft, even at their best, don't have that type of upside. And I'll argue that he's right. I don't think Cade can be a top 10 player in the NBA. I really don't. I like him. But I, I think, think but, Green- but but to me, it, it comes down to projecting, say, best case scenario, uh, Mobley is AD, right? Just just say it's in a perfect world. He's, he's AD. Is AD to you a number one option on the team? Hell no, he's not. And he's never going to be that guy. Okay. I don't think he's, the, I don't think he's AD, number one. Next question to me, Scotty is, is like, attitude. It, okay, so is Scotty more of that new wing that can do everything, like, I don't see Mobley being a point guard. I don't see him being... To me, he's a big man, right? And, like, Scotty isn't. That's why I give the versatility advantage to Scotty, and that's why I think he's a better prospect, which is how I graded them. I think the case for the Raptors going with Mobley would have been, number one, positional fit. That's it. Uh, They definitely needed a center. Uh, But bad teams should never draft on, on position. They should always draft best player available. You should, and I think that the other end, <laughs> Look at the the other end of it is, is just <laughs> how he fits, right? So we can make an argument that if Scotty Barnes does not do the work that he did this summer since he's been drafted, and really it's actually since, it's not even since he was drafted. It's been since the, the, since the college season ended. He's been in the gym every single day working on that jump shot, and now he's still in the gym with uh, Nick Nurse's night school. He's working on that jump shot, right? But... You can't guarantee me that any player is going to work this hard. I mean, he's not talking about it, but I know a few people who are like trainers for like the 905 and they talk, you know, they're like this kid, his work ethic. I've never seen anything like it. Like since DeMar, I haven't seen ethic like this, right? He's in the gym all day and he's just working on that jump shot and he's so patient. He won't stop until he gets it, right? He'll ask coaches, what am I doing wrong here? What so coachable. It's like the antithesis of Ben Simmons. Like everything you hear about Ben Simmons, like doesn't hear coaching, doesn't get, you know, not complete opposite. Just wants to get better every single day. You can make an argument that if he didn't do that work for the last seven months, uh, a lot of people would be saying Jalen Suggs is better right now. Mm-hmm. But he did do the work. <clears throat> and so a lot of people look really smart. So you can make the argument that where they were six months ago when they last played in college, Evan Mobley was a better player, 100%. But sure. you got to ask yourself, there's an intangible quality called love in basketball that, you know, guys like De'Aaron Fox, DeMar DeRozan, these guys just have it. And you just know that when you love something this much, whatever the top that you can be, Giannis, right? Like, look at Giannis. Like, at 16, he's telling you, I want to go to the NBA. I want to be the best player in the world, you know, and he, he works for it. He loves it. And if you can identify that quality in a young player early on, then you can start to project like, what is the best thing that this guy can be? Cause it's really easy to project the best thing that a guy can be. And then the guy doesn't even hit like 10% yeah. of it. Right. I mean, we saw that with, uh, Andrew Wiggins. Right? The best thing he can be. Caboclo. Hmm? Uh, Caboclo. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Bruno Caboclo. I remember I remember so many stories where people would just be like, he looks like he's sleepwalking through practice. Right. And then the other side of it is Scotty Barnes. You know, we didn't talk about it the last game. 
But one of the most interesting things about this guy is how quickly he has assumed the leadership role on this team. You know, it's crazy. In between timeouts, he's telling Gary Trent, you got to go there. You got to go there. Uh, you know, I remember there was this game, uh, there was this possession like three games ago or two games ago where he had a small guy in the post and Boucher just looked him off and he gave him an earful. And it's like, dude, that's an NBA vet. That's an NBA champion. You're a rookie. But he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. He's just like, no, right is right and wrong is wrong. And he's nice about it, too. He's a great teammate. I'm not saying that he's a bad teammate, you know, but I'm just saying, like, the fact that he is already feeling that. Like, I didn't see that with OG. I didn't see that with Pascal. I never saw that with DeMar. I never even saw that with Kawhi, dude. I have never in my life. Okay, that's not true. The last time I saw this type of, I want to say authorship, like this type of ownership from a rookie, probably LeBron, guys like that. LeBron, Zion, like Luca. hypey number one prospects. You know, guys who just walk in like, this is my team, this is my show. And they're usually doing it on crappy teams. You know, Barnes is doing it on a pretty veteran-laden team. There's, you know, a couple of champions on this team. There's there's a few young guys. But I think it's been super impressive just to see how quickly he's taken off and and, and really how the, the ugly turnovers aside last night and against, uh, I think, in game one, those six turnovers, He's really he's he's in the right places. He's playing the right way. And I think, you know, if this guy is this good, then I could argue you're better than last year. I could mm. argue that with Siakam back, healthy roster, you might be better than last year. You know, because you didn't have a player like this last year and you desperately needed a guy like this. A, ha- a zone buster, a guy who could just penetrate at will, a guy, you know, like, let me ask you, this is the golden question I really want to I want to bring to this like okay. I know we can go along here but it's it's a good question to ask I think because I want your take on it OG Pascal Scotty Barnes that front court mm-hmm. right if you're an opposing team how the hell do you guard that who do you put on the third guy and that's what I'm talking about the third guy because a lot of teams have two guys guys could have like Jeremy Grant and Cade Cunningham okay that's two guys right you could have LeBron and AD. Okay, that's two guys. But who the hell is getting the third guy? Because if that third guy is Pascal, you're toast. That third guy is OG, you're screwed. And if that third guy is on Scotty, you're done. My point is, it's like this front court has such an immense potential, especially if Scotty can. And I'm looking at Scotty, like right next to Ken Birch, indistinguishable. Height, weight, just he's he's huge. So I think he really does have some potential as a small ball five, occasional one in this in this lineup. And I don't think he gives up the inches that Draymond used to. Like Draymond, Draymond's 6'5". Scotty's a legit 6'9", mm-hmm. 7'4", wingspan. He's huge. He right. is a center, right? So if you He was guarding Vooch tonight, like on like on switches. And I was like, oh my God, this, this kid is the definition of guarding one through five, which is a rare commodity. And that's the thing, right? You have three front court players who can all switch one through five. I've seen Pascal cover points. I've seen Pascal struggle with centers, but he can guard centers in a pinch, right? Better than probably most uh, most small forwards could. So you have three guys who can legit, I mean, look at look at uh, OG tonight. He he switched on Zach Levine. He covered Vucevic in the post several possessions. He covered Lonzo. He did switch one through five. He's done it every single game for us. So if you have three guys like that. If your backcourt is even halfway respectable, and even if it's not respectable, think about this. You got Siakam for the next four years. You got OG for the next three years. 
mm-hmm. with a player option on the fourth. And you got Scotty Barnes for the next seven years. So if you can figure out that point guard, shooting guard, you know, if you can get another lengthy guy at point, if you, the potential this team has. The potential it's, it's to me is you trade Ram, uh, you trade either Van Vliet or Siakam and you go out and you get Ben Simmons. I know there's been some slander on the show earlier, but Ben Simmons would solve a lot of your problems, in my opinion. And if you put I'll Ben argue, Simmons, you know what? I, I was I was clamoring for Ben Simmons all summer. Mm-hmm. But upon thinking about it, I have backed off my thoughts about Oof. this guy. I think the spacing on this team is so horrendous. And I understand that he's a much better creator off the bounce and a much better passer than anyone on this team. And I get all that. But the fact that like, it's such a head case situation to deal with, it's a huge risk. It's there's so many young players on this team. There's no risk. Uh, I mean, everything. Like, I would want to leave Philly too. I hate Philly. Just imagine if you were cheated the exact same way. Like today, their announcer. I don't care about Josh Giddy getting injured. I just care about Embiid. Dude, that is so unprofessional. That's disgusting. Like as a human being, you don't care about the other guy. Are you serious? That's what Ben <sighs> has had to deal with, bro. Like, yeah, I would want the hell out of there too. You know what? You can make an argument that it's Philly, right? And I get that. I do understand that there are certain players where if the change of scenery happens, they're completely different people. I get that, right? But the questions about Ben Simmons' character, competitiveness, overall level of, you know, what kind of teammate is he? These questions didn't start in Philly. They started in LSU. They started in Montverde, okay? This has always been around with him. Does he want it? Does he compete? Is he coachable? Does he? It's been there, dude. Like, look at the scouting reports all the way back. I understand that he's a generational talent. Nick Nurse athlete. will get the he's best out of him. Nick Nurse will get the best out of him. Period. I, you know what? I saw, I saw a presser with Nick Nurse uh, last game where he had the funniest quote. He ethered Chris Boucher's life because he basically asked him, like, it's been a little bit up and down with Chris Boucher, and his exact quote was, "I haven't seen any up." Oh, my God. So he's a coach who has routinely called out players. Okay. Nick Nurse does not fuck around. Mm-hmm. You know, he if, he's just too blunt sometimes, sometimes for his own good. He's just he's got a kind of hillbilly quality. To, you know, it's like it's it's sort of it's it's affable. It's it's lovable, but it gets you in trouble sometimes if you're dealing with prima donnas or divas or someone like LeBron James or someone like Ben Simmons. You know, where it's delicate, right? And now the news cycle is, oh, you know, Chris uh, Chris Boucher called up by Nick Nurse and he doesn't see that. And that, that can be tough for a player. And if that player is Chris Boucher, he takes it and he, you know, he deals with it because he's a role player and he's a fringe NBA player. And if he doesn't deal with it and he develops a bad rep, then he's out of the league next year. But with Ben Simmons, that shit would not fly. If he called out Ben Simmons, that's another trade demand. So I don't know if Nick Nurse is the type of coach for Ben Simmons, first of all. Second of all, I don't think this is the right team for Ben Simmons. The mm. reason I say that is because I think Ben needs to be on. That was the problem with Philly. You know, you talk about like the process, Sam, mm. you know, uh, Hinky and the process. The problem with the process is the adults weren't invited. That was the problem with the process. And I hope someone takes this as a soundbite and like makes me famous because that is legit. Quote that. That's the problem with the process. The adults were not invited. You can't have a whole bunch of young guys have no no one to teach them how to be a professional. 
And I'm sorry, this team, Fred, Pascal, OG, Scotty, I mean, even if one of those guys go out in the trade, there isn't the type of veteran leadership in place to keep a guy like Ben Simmons in check. He becomes your leader day one. And that's a tough, tough situation. I would really like to see him in Golden State. I know they've kind of oh walked They'd be walked amazing. <laughs> he would be amazing. Oh my and that's God. the type of team I would... But if he ends up in Sacramento or if he ends up in Houston, it's it's just another one of these situations. You got to put this guy into a locker He'd room. He'd be amazing where, in Sacramento you know, too, by the way. He'd be really good there with De'Aaron Fox. Yeah. I mean, I I think he would be great in Sacramento. Don't get me wrong. I think the only problem is where, where are your veteran leaders? Harrison Barnes going to keep him in check? Get real, right? So I think you need a guy like Steph Curry who's just a consummate leader. You need a guy like Draymond. I don't know what they would send out for him. Maybe Jordan Poole and some young players uh, might get you. Scott. I don't know if, you know, I, I listened to, oh, man, that, did you hear what he said? Who? Philly's general manager. Yeah, he's, he's going to keep him forever. Or is it gonna take a long time? Did you, did you did you hear about the thing about role players don't win you championships? He said that. Yeah, he said right now we basically have uh, Ben and we have offers and we're just being offered role players and we're not trading for role players to get get ready for this. We want an impact player. I'm here to basically deliver championships and role players don't win you championships. And I'm thinking to myself, are you crazy? Like, imagine how every single role player on your team feels right now. Number one, oh, and number okay. two. Way to tip your hand on the types of offers you've been getting. But I get what he's saying, but it's it's just not right. You know, if you could get two prospects and two solid players, you have no idea how much that would help Philly right now. Like two solid players, I mean like two solid starters. Like if you get if you can get Buddy, Marvin, Bagley, and like three picks, I would take that over what he's got right now, which is a complete mess of a situation. I think sometimes you get too smart for your own good and you forget that you're dealing with human beings. There's like a residual effect of it. Yeah. Like I can't imagine what Matisse Thibel or Joel Embiid or Tobias Harris are feeling right now because I got a general manager and a star player and a coach who are basically playing like Russian roulette mm -hmm. and we're all trying to work hard. I mean, this is how you kill a season before it even starts. And so I understand that he can't take the loss. You can't be like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give him like, you know, I'm going to give him up 20 cents on the dollar and then he's going to erupt. But it's like, bro, he's not going to erupt for you. <laughs> That's true. So you could, That's true. So <laughs> you're holding you're holding a declining asset every day that he holds, you know, he holds out or you hold him out or he's quote unquote injured or whatever. But, if he comes back. But I'll make this argument. And I've said this on, 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 on my other shows. There will always be that one team at the deadline that will be underperforming. That will give up 40, 50, 60% on the dollar as opposed to 20 cents on the dollar. Trust me, bro. There's I'll that, there's that, that one team every year. Have, there's that one team every single year. Every year. I would argue that those teams will have plenty of players that are going to be on the block to choose from. And they will not necessarily choose Ben Simmons. Andrew Wiggins might be on the block. Honestly, the asking price is a lot lower for Andrew Wiggins than it is for Ben Simmons. The contracts are almost identical. So... I think I rather have, have Ben Simmons a situation and Andrew where Wiggins. a general manager has what I rather have Ben Simmons and Andrew Wiggins in the heartbeat. Oh, of course, but compare oh. the asking price. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, what? Okay, no, no, no. Of, of course, oh, you yeah. would rather have Ben Simmons than, than Andrew Wiggins. But 
But my point is like, if his asking price is 60% on the dollar, if you and I agree that Ben Simmons is a top 20 player in the NBA, roughly, because of his great defense and his youth and everything, if he's a top 20 player, then 50, you know, 60% on the dollar is trading him for a top 50 player and a pick, right? Roughly. So, so does Tyrese, Tyrese, Buddy, Marvin, and two picks get it done? Say that offer again. Tyrese, Marvin Bagley, Buddy Heald, and two first-round picks. Honestly, if he was even halfway reasonable, that would be the best offer ever. Like yeah. He'd be able to basically replenish their entire depth. They'd get young players. They would have a reclamation project in Marvin Bagley that they might be able to unlock with Joel Embiid. I mean, I think Joel Embiid and Marvin Bagley is a great front court. I, I really do. I think that would be perfect because... MB just makes up for so many of his mistakes. But you heard the interview. He doesn't believe that role players can win championships. Apparently, you never heard of Big Shot Bob, never heard of Derek Fisher, never heard of, you know, never heard of Lamar Odom. So I'm sorry. This is so just I'm gonna tell mentality. you. So I'm I'm gonna tell you what the issue is between the Kings and the Sixers and why this deal hasn't happened. It's because the Kings are reluctant. They're willing to give up the two first round picks. But they don't want to give up Tyrese. So what they're offering is Marvin, Buddy, two, maybe three first-round picks, but not Tyrese. And I think that's where uh, Daryl is like, no, I need that young asset that could potentially replace Ben Simmons. Because Buddy adds a lot, right, shooting-wise, elite shooter. Marvin is a backup big. And the picks, like, you don't know what the picks are going to be. So... There's unknowns there. So I understand his position on and I understand why he's not doing it. Without without Tyrese, that that deal isn't great. But I would argue Right, right, I agree. I would argue Buddy Heald uh is a pretty good fit with Joel Embiid. He's an amazing fit. <laughs> he's an amazing right? fit. And I and I would also argue that the fit with Bagley and Embiid, as I said, is a great fit. And I would also argue the two first round picks packaged with I don't know, maybe something, a big contract, the Andrew bench, maybe a young asset, you know, maybe flipping healed at the deadline, healed in two first round picks might get you something great uh, to put in your backcourt. So I think I get it, but I think at this point, you and I probably agree that Ben Simmons is a top 20, 20, 20 player, 25 uh, hours, most hmm? 25 hours. Top 20, top 25 player. Yeah. But most of the league has, uh, just based on recency bias and how he's played right. and the off-court stuff, he's not being valued like a top 25 player. Mm -hmm. He's being valued like, you know, 40, an albatross 50. contract. Yeah. Exactly. And so you got to accept reality at some point. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's kind of funny. We, we started talking about the Raptors and now we, we've gone all over the place. So let's maybe just circle it back to the Raptors, uh, you know. Uh, 13 of the first 14 games, I think, were against Eastern Conference. They have a homestand here. They're now 0-3 at home, right? And to make matters worse, after this homestand, it's a long, long road trip. So I was making an argument earlier that this team might be out of contention by December. Like, just because of a combination of having Siakam out, having a rough start, you know, having a tough schedule... Not that I'm saying like we've played, <laughs> we haven't played anyone great yet. Yeah. Right. But everyone we've played so far is a fringe playoff team. 
I think that's maybe the problem in the NBA. Everyone's a fringe playoff team. There's like three bottom feeders in the entire league this year. Everyone else is potentially a competitive matchup. But I think uh, they've caught some tough breaks. They've had some rough shooting nights. Uh, What would you do if, you know, you come around to Christmas or close close to the All-Star break? Siakam's back. He's looking good. But you're like 15 games out because you just got off to a horrendous start. Because... You know, that that first Raptor team, the one that started it all, right, that that we the North Raptors, that team also got off to a really cold start before mm-hmm. they traded away, away Rudy Gay. So I don't see a Rudy Gay to trade on this team, but getting a Siakam back might be that kind of boost that propels you. So I'm kind of curious, what do you do at the deadline? You spark a rebuild? Trade Siakam, trade Van Vliet. What do you do? So if you're 15 games out or whatever, it's a horrific start. Sixth. Yeah. You have to trade Siakam. And then you look at the draft and you're like, okay, I have a lot of nice pieces with OG, with Scotty. And then it's a quick retool. And you have to trust your front office to make the best decisions possible. You set yourself up to where you have cat flexibility and it's not a rebuild, it's a retool for the rest of the season. And you highlight Scotty as your number one guy at that point. But if you're close to 500 and you're battling every single night, which I think is what's going to happen because the culture is there for the Raptors. And then you get Siakam back, he propels you, he gets you into the top 10, which is where I had the Raptors. <laughs> and they lose in the play-in, but they get to the play-in and you gain all that experience for your future number one guy in Scotty Barnes. That's what I think happens. But we should probably uh, preview the Pacers game before we end this show. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think you're right. And, you know, I'm a New York fan a little bit because I grew up in New York. And yeah. I, always, I always wondered why the Knicks wouldn't do a rebuild, right? They kept chasing these middling old stars. Mm-hmm. They would chase, like, LeBron and, you know, they would get mellow and they were everyone so happy. And it's like, why were the Knicks always so consistently mediocre? And it's because it's tough sell to a fan base that, hey, we're going to be really bad and we're just 100%. throwing up our hands. And FYI, this is going to be the tough year and we're going to lose, you know, we're going to lose 60 games. Uh, I don't think that necessarily you need to tank right i think you can win you can lose the right way is is what i'd say correct i think i've seen i've seen a lot of teams do this where they just tear it down and they go all youth Mm -hmm. and again it's like the process again right this it, it works in video games it doesn't work in real life so i really like what they're doing right now me too um to be honest i kind of liked what they did last year too they were competitive they were just completely ravaged by injuries so I like the concept of playing the right way, consistently having those guys around, but maybe doing a, a little bit like what uh, David Robinson and the Spurs did the year that they tanked for Duncan, where he was still around the team, just didn't play. <laughs> you know, And if you can do that, right, maybe you know that Siakam injury gets a little bit more like pushed back two weeks. And you know, maybe Fred VanVleet, oh, he needs a game for rest. And oh, maybe OG needs a game for rest. And then it's kind of like a stealth tank. And I think that that way you can still, you know, you can lose your way to 25 game, 25 losses, 25 wins, but you don't completely destroy the culture that you've spent so long building up and the expectations. Because at some point, 
that kid that you draft is going to come in and learn how to be a professional in this culture. And I was thinking about something today and I was like, maybe this is the, this, this is a parting note for Raptor fans. If anyone of you are still watching us an hour and seven minutes into this, congratulations is the future is so bright for this team. Imagine, you know, a rookie coming in two years from now and learning how to be a pro from Scotty Barnes. Imagine the end of the rotation guys and undrafted guys that come into the system. And I was hearing this whole thing before the game about how Fred Van Vliet learned how to be a pro from Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Mm -hmm. And it's like, dude, as great as those guys are, I would much rather somebody learn how to be a pro from Scotty Barnes. So I am excited about the future of this team. And I think if there's a Raptors, you know, Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment executive watching this, we will deal with a rebuild provided you let this guy go. Like you let Scotty Barnes just make those mistakes. You let give him that Giannis treatment, get him the point guard and just get out of the way. And if it results in six turnovers one night, no problem. Because we see the vision. Everyone sees the vision. He's a big part of the pregame promos now. <laughs> like he's, his face is everywhere. And, you know, it's like when we had with Vince, right? Those first years with Vince and Tracy, they were not unbearable because we saw the vision. Unfortunately, we didn't see them leaving. <laughs> yeah. But we saw the vision of what those kids would be. And it was exciting basketball because that's the part of sports that's underrated is the hope, right? When you 100%. watch DeMar DeRozan in his sixth year chucking away mid-rangers, you're like, oh, this is hopeless because it's never going to get better. And with Scotty Barnes, like in that flex pass and no-look pass and dunking over Doncic and stuff, you're like, oh, my God, three years from now, this is going to be this is going to be great. You know, so there's some hope on the horizon. Hopefully there's some wins on the horizon. Tough loss tonight to Chicago. Uh, three point loss. Leo thinks that Fred Van Vliet should be on an N1 mixtape. I don't, <laughs> but it's great. Good conversation. Um, uh, right. Do the, the Raptors beat the Pacers? Wait, I didn't hear that. What? Do the Raptors beat the Pacers? I still can't hear you, man. <laughs> Your mic's completely done. Do the do do the Raptors beat the Pacers? Do the Raptors beat the Pacers? Yes. No. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> yes, they will. I think they will. I think I think there's a lot of pride on this team, and after a tough loss, I mean, I hope there's no hangover. But I mean, there there were some good things in this game. There were some good things in this game. Hopefully, they can take that and put it to use but yeah uh the paces are ravaged by injuries right now they could hopefully look to exploit that um chris duarte is playing like crazy number of minutes that's um, my guy bro. I, I love him by the way you love him eh? i, I had him high I, on I my think, um, on, on my on my draft boards for sure i think five years from now they'll probably look back at moses moody and say what if i, I do think that but for now, um, if you're trying to be competitive, and obviously Rick Carlisle is not looking to be in the lottery in his first year, That's uh, probably a good pick. I, I get it. I, I get yeah. it. It's not like drafting Rafael Arujo. Like sometimes drafting a you know an older rookie helps. You know it helps your culture. Like you guys with Davion Mitchell, right? Like mm -hmm. man, I, I see the graphics you guys are posting about the the players when guarded by Davion. It's crazy how good this guy is defensively yeah. already uh it's it you know there's there's hope there right like with fox and um yeah 
I'm really kind of hoping you guys do get Ben Simmons now. But again, that would be I fun. really don't think that Luke Walton's <laughs> the right coach for that. I don't either. I don't yeah. either, man. But uh, on behalf of the entire Raptor Nation Basketball Zone family, man, thank you guys so much. It was a great conversation. This will be available uh, on iTunes, on Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Because it was an hour-long conversation. So you like to work out, listen to Robert break down the game, all those good things. Thank you guys so much. And on behalf of the entire family, we'll see you guys on the next one. Peace.